I'm Kato Kalen, and you're listening to The Society Show. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you ever five years ago think every second or third ad out of five or six you'd turn on would be biracial couples? Hey, man, everybody on Twitter thinks you're a dumb nerd. As far as I'm concerned, I have no sister. I wish you died in the womb. I get up in the morning, look at Joe and say, where the hell are we? Broadcasting live to tape from the new Society Show Theater. I'm Christian Patterson, and today I am joined by the guest Connor. Connor is perhaps best well known for his Twitch stream, Connor Tonight, which I was watching recently, and he is also now a second time guest on the Society Show. So, Connor, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me, Christian. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to ask a little bit, because I, I watched your stream for about an hour, hour and a half, and you were opening lots of Pokemon cards. Is that uh, what you normally do on your show? What are some of the other segments you do? Yeah, um, I really, it, it hasn't like been as structured as it probably should be. I basically have just been um, streaming whatever I'm passionate about um, in the short term. <laughs> so, um I think last time I was talking to you about like the Donkey Kong arcade game, I haven't played that in forever. I've just been doing Pokemon cards lately. So whatever, you know, I'm I'm currently into, I've been streaming on there. I've been wanting to um do speed stack. Are you familiar with speed stacks? No, I'm not. It's like cup stacking and uh <laughs> I I think it it might be a little dated now. Oh, I but, remember when that was the thing, like, they had us do that in, like, elementary school PE. Yes, exactly. That's the one. And I used to be, like, a little into it in, in high school. And so I was thinking that might be a fun thing to stream. Because I don't know if anyone's cornered that market streaming speed stacks. So that's something I've been... Uh, workshopping, but I haven't <laughs> yeah. broken the cups out yet. That's a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, it, I did want to talk a little bit more about because I watched you opening those Pokemon cards, and uh, I I have heard that the value of Pokemon cards being re- like resold, uh, Pokemon merchandise in general is like the highest it's ever been, or it's like very high, and a lot of it's because of like Logan Paul like was buying really expensive Pokemon cards. Do you know anything about that? Yes, totally. I've been fascinated with the Pokemon card uh, market lately. I've actually learned a lot about economics just by being very interested in Pokemon cards the last few months. But um, everything was already on like a a steady increase and the Logan Paul stuff just made it like totally insane. It was already like becoming popular independent of that i think it's the 25th anniversary of pokemon so people are excited about that but yeah the logan paul stuff has just made it and there are some other influencers who've been getting into it i don't know it quote unquote influencers i you know i don't i don't want to use that term with totally straight face but there have been like other twitch streamers of ludwig is one of them who is getting into it but yeah um like so so like classic pokemon cards have always been steadily increasing although they've recently been selling for like unheard of numbers at auctions but now even modern 
Pokemon cards are like getting marked up the second they hit shelves. Like like new products, as soon as they come out, they're being sold for like double what their MSRP is. It's absolutely insane. You can't. Nobody can even get Pokemon cards right now because like it's so crazy. Yeah, that's really interesting, and I uh, kind of think of Pokemon cards juxtaposed with Beanie Babies, because... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that... Because the bubble's gonna burst eventually, and everybody's gonna lose all their money. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I feel like Beanie Babies were kind of what, what, like, the boomer generation was telling younger kids, like, oh, this'll be really collectible, and... Uh, but like everyone was saying that so everyone bought them and now they're just like like i was watching pawn stars one thing i've learned after 21 years you never know what is going to come through that door and some guy brought in like a uh, one of those limited edition princess diana beanie babies oh yeah i think i may have had one of those <laughs> yeah and he was like ten thousand dollars and then the guy came in and he's like the expert and he's like these are like 25 dollars on 25 eBay. bucks yeah i thought so <laughs> yeah no so we talked about like comic books before i was always long into comic books so i think i have you know i had like a knowledge base when i started getting into uh like pokemon cards and that's it's exactly as you described so things become valuable because people don't take care of them and throw them out if everybody says this is gonna be worth money someday then everybody's going to keep it, and it's not going to be worth crap. And that's exactly what I have with Beanie Babies. To some extent, that's what's happening with modern Pokemon cards, like modern comic books. The old Pokemon cards from, like, 1999, 1998, they're valuable because kids in the schoolyard would put them in their pocket and get, like, crap on them and stuff like that. And so with, with Beanie Babies, it's, I think, maybe a little easier to keep them in good condition. But, yeah, I mean, Beanie Babies was a little more of its era i want to say i think pokemon might have more like staying power because it's like been popular for longer but it, i think that's a very apt analogy still yeah and i distinctly remember adults telling me when i was a kid that pokemon was gonna be a fad and it wouldn't last and uh i'm really glad that pokemon did last actually because i think it's a uh, really strong franchise yeah, it's supposed to be like the most popular media franchise of all time at this point or something. Yeah, it's yeah, wild. Crazy. They need to I know in Japan they just opened the Nintendo World amusement park, but uh they need like a Pokemon amusement park. Yes, absolutely. I think the plan with the Nintendo theme park is like to expand it. Right now it's just Mario stuff, but I think the plan is to expand it. Pokemon stuff would be cool. They're they're leaving money on the table if they don't incorporate Pokemon into their theme park. It's called a money plane. Yeah, there's always been rumors. I don't know how valid they are that uh, they're they're considering a Nintendo Land in the U.S. And if they did that, then uh, they might build it in Washington or like nearby to me because like Nintendo of America is based here. Yeah, didn't. Yeah, that's right. I think they are building one in in North America, but I think COVID kind of uh, delayed that a little bit. I baked you a pie. Oh boy, what flavor! Pie, pie, pie. Dad, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm bad. Why did you name me this way? Why, why, why? I have.
have another quiz if you if you want to do that. Uh, last time, I think I gave you some questions that may have been a little too easy for you. Uh oh! Now you're gonna <laughs> now it's now there's overcorrection, and I'm not gonna be able to get any of the answers right. Well, uh, I'll give some context for these questions. Uh, the one reality show that I really like. Um, is Big Brother. Like, I know it's really cheesy, but I always watch it. And I'm sorry, but I vote to evict you, Marcellus. Have you ever watched Big Brother? I have, yeah. I, I had some friends in college who loved that show. And I mean, even long before then, I was well aware of it and had seen it many times. Yeah, so um, I like it so much that I watch the Canadian version as well. And Big Brother Canada is funny because you get real insight into like things about Canadian culture that you would never yeah, realize. Canadian, yeah, Canadian culture for sure. <laughs> because if there's a Canadian, there has to be a Tim's. For example, How did you compare and contrast the two versions of Big Brother? How did um, they stack up against one another? Well, I would say the editing in Canada is a little worse. Like, I think they focus on some boring elements too much. Um, the set of the Big Brother Canada house is really cool, though. Like, it looks like it's like a dream world almost. Um, and Big Brother Canada has some interesting twists, but some of them are really unbalanced. So, I, I don't know. It, you kind of take some with the other. Sure, pros and cons to each one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that got me thinking. I wanted to look into some other Canadian reality TV shows. So, uh... <laughs> uh, I found some, and basically I will name a show, give a little bit of a description, um, but then... Uh, describe the rest of the show and you have to guess what the show's about. Uh, I hope and they're that... based... Yeah, yeah. Are they based off pre-existing American reality shows? Um, so one of these questions is uh, about Canada's Got Talent, um, but the rest of them are all generally original. Okay. Alright, so... And it's just multiple... Er, a or B, 50-50 uh, multiple choice. Okay, I'll get multiple choice here. Got it. Okay. So question one. In the mid-2000s, Alex Trebek hosted a reality show called Canada's Next Prime Minister. What is the premise? A, teenagers are quizzed by four politicians, and then the finalists debate a topic amongst themselves. Or B, Teenagers recreate the Canadian government in an elaborate simulation of politics like Model UN. Well, B sounds like such better entertainment, so I guess I'm going to go with that one. That is incorrect. It was oh. A. I knew it was too good to be true. <laughs> I know. I was like, what would I want a show called Can Canada's Next Great Prime Minister to be? And that's what I'd want it to be. Oh, my gosh. Um, yes. N uh, number two. There's a Canadian show called Divine Restoration. It is a religious version of what type of show, generally? 
A. It follows camp counselors at a Canadian Christian summer camp in their day-to-day experience over summer. Or B. It follows renovators similar to Extreme Makeover, but they're making over churches rather than houses or businesses. Oh my gosh, those both sound so plausible. When I heard when and I heard you talking about A, I was like, it's got to be that one. But then when I heard B, I'm like, I don't know, it could be that one. Man, this is tough. I really feel like I'm like on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire right now. All right, I'm going to go with B. Final answer. That is correct. It was B. Yes. <laughs> That's an inter- that sounds like an interesting show. Yeah, I think they do all types of places too. Like I think they did a mosque and I was gonna ask that. Like, is it all like Protestant churches? I think that's the main focus, but you know, Canada really likes to emphasize diversity, at least more than the US, I'd say. Yeah. It's like written into their constitution. <laughs> so this is question three. There's a Canadian reality show called Fridge Wars. Is it a (laughs) one home renovation show where they start with one appliance, usually a refrigerator, and have to design a room around it? Or is it B, a cooking show where chefs can only cook using the random ingredients in one family's fridge? I'm going to say B. That is correct. Okay. I thought at first I'm like, oh, that that could, the first, the A there, the one you described, I'm like, that could be a show. But then I'm like, the more I thought about it, I'm like, that is too silly. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so this is four. A long-running show in Canada is called Battle of the Blades. What is it about? Is it a figure skating competition show and the blade refers to the blades of the ice skates or is it a lawn maintenance competition show and the blade refers to the blades of grass oh man they both sound like great shows i really want to say b but my instinct is to say a so i'll go with a that is correct it is a Yeah, yeah that, pro- that other one would make a good show, though, I think. <laughs> I probably should have put that first, because that was, like, the silliest made-up answer. <laughs> okay, so um, this next one's a little bit of a different format, uh, but you it's a more straightforward question. Which Canadian Saturday Night Live alum was a judge on Canada's Got Talent? Was it Norm MacDonald? Hey, uh, check out the podium. Look at this. Mr. Reynolds has apparently changed his name to Turd Ferguson. Yeah, that's right. Turd Ferguson. It's a funny name. Or Martin Short. Hello. We've been having the most pleasant chat, I must say. Oh, Martin Short. That is correct. Yeah, there's. I didn't think Norm MacDonald would be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should have done Mike Myers. Hello. My name is Simon. Hi. <laughs> I like to do drawings. That probably would have been more believable. Mike Myers would have been maybe a little more believable, yeah. 
Okay. It's funny though. <laughs> and so I think you got. I think I'm four for five. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so this last one, a popular French language Quebecois reality show is called Occupation Double. What is the premise? Is it a singing competition show where they sing duets? Or is it a dating show where they live together similar to Love Island? <laughs> I, I want it, again, I want it to be A, but I, I'm, I've got to, I'm going to answer B, but I think that a show where you just like, uh, like, like dancing with the stars, but you make them sing together would be a great show too. I don't go with B though. That is correct. Yes. And, and the funny thing about that is the reason I included that as a fake answer, the duet show, is there is a Canadian, or a, maybe it's American even. Yeah, there was a duet singing show. reality show. What's yeah. it called? Do you know? Duets. Yeah, it's from 2012 with Kelly Clarkson, John Legend, and Robin Thicke. It only oh, lasted wow. one season, though. I was going to say, it doesn't sound like it was uh, <laughs> uh, uh, had staying power. <laughs> no. Yeah, have you heard of that reality show? <laughs> it's, uh, I forget. Uh, let me think of what it's called. It's like, can I hear your voice or can I see your voice or something? And it's like no. a singing competition, but they aren't allowed to sing. And the judges are just supposed to guess if they're good singers. What? <laughs> By looking at them? Yeah. Let me find the name. <laughs> that sounds really like it would get bad fast. Our contestants' goal is to find and eliminate all the bad singers, leaving a good singer at the end for a chance to win $100,000. Oh, it's yeah, so it's called I Can See Your Voice. Welcome to America's brand new guessing game, I Can See Your Voice. Yeah, you, you, they only gone. know their occupation, and they must eliminate bad singers without ever hearing them sing. Wow. And they sounds just like get, it, get clues. Sounds like it's going to be pretty classist. <laughs> yeah. It's hosted by the same guy who hosts The Masked Singer, uh, Ken Jong. Hi, I'm Ken Jung, and I'm about to be your favorite host on television. Stop laughing. Oh, yeah, yeah. From Community. Yeah. The Masked Singer is the weirdest shit. I watched it with my friend once, and I was fascinated by it. I, I think I've heard someone make this exact same, you know, no, notice this before. I think someone, I think I've seen someone mention this. But I was thinking when I watched it, I'm like, this is the reality show from a dystopian reality. It's like something from RoboCop. 16 mass celebrities have bravely answered the call. Each week they soar with out-of-this-world performances in a quest for the Golden Mask Trophy. Their final destiny is for you, America, to guess who's behind the mask. <laughs> I've still never seen it. It's so bizarre. And then did you see when they had Elizabeth Smart as one of the contestants? <laughs> yes. That was so funny. Like, who would ever guess that? <laughs> Why would you ever assume that Elizabeth Smart would partake in this? Um, do you know, like, uh, is that, that'll do it for the quiz, right? Yeah, you got five out of six. Good job. Winner. Yes. I'm still I'm still doing hot on here. Um, I was <laughs> yeah. going to say, uh, 
the day the day you invite me on and I fail more uh, questions than I answer correctly, that that that'll be a problem. But um, I was gonna say, yeah, I, I love reality shows too. I find them really interesting. Like I always said, I could write, I could write a, an essay on Jersey Shore. I think it's so interesting. I read this interview where they talk about how they have cameras everywhere they go, and like you don't see this on the show, but they have like breakdowns from being watched all the time. They've meant I I can't cite the interview because I don't remember who said it, and I read it a while ago, but. I read that they were like, we take six hour long showers because the only place the cameras can't see us. You know, they're even watching them when they have sex and stuff. So. Yeah. Are you familiar with uh, Kid Nation? Oh, yeah, definitely. I even watched that at the time. I had a uh, like a friend of a friend was on that show. Wow, that's and- crazy. He was one of the youngest ones, and and like hearing the stories about it, like behind the scenes, are so crazy. I cannot believe that they ever let that show go to air. <laughs> they put they put yes. the kids in like a little like it's like in a little abandoned town, and they just completely have them fed for themselves. They have to cook for themselves, and they got you know I'm pretty sure they get like food poisoning at one point. They had to do like it was like kids like seven to twelve or something. And there's like, you know, a couple dozen of them or so. And they just, I think the first episode, they have to like hike with a wagon with all their supplies and kids are like crying and like, it's, it's like torture. It's, it was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like uh, Lord of the Flies elements of like the, like, there was like a bully I specifically remember who like, there's like a high, they developed like a hierarchy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. What I was going to say earlier that I completely forgot. I remember now though, when I lived in Portland, uh, it was when they were recording or filming the real world Portland and oh, yeah. uh, me and my friends went to the house one night and you could like see in. It was really weird because it was like you could, it was on the third floor and you'd see up and you'd see it was all one room like it was basically a warehouse that they converted and they put really? up fake walls like none of the walls went to the roof and then we we like heard that they were going to this bar and so we went there ahead of time and it was super weird because they like made like an impromptu like dance floor with a dj and like a bar that wouldn't normally have that and then once they showed up there was just cameras in like every area of the room and like anyone who wasn't specifically there to be on tv left because it was so like burdensome to have all the cameras yeah it was probably very crowded Mm -hmm. that's crazy i i guess i never considered that about um like the places they live i mean it's just it's a set you know that's just tv magic baby yeah, I actually looked into it once. Apparently, they used to live in more conventional real houses, but uh, someone bought the house after them in an earlier season and was, like, selling tours, like, tour the real world house, and um, someone, like, got hurt or something and then tried oh, to see it sue MTV. <laughs> Damn, yeah, so MTV's like, no more of that, I see. <laughs> yes. I want to 
wanted to ask, I've been doing a segment uh, that started last week where uh, I don't know about you, but I've been kind of daydreaming about where I am mentally. And so where are you mentally? Do you wish you were anywhere in the world right now? I don't know. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Um, Because I haven't really been leaving the house like most people. Yeah, I guess I I was just thinking last night, like, about, uh, man, I'd like to, like, go outside and, like, have something to do and, like, people to see. But I I guess, you know, I think everyone is feeling that way a little bit right now, a little cooped up. Yeah, I mentioned this a little bit on last episode, but, like, I went down to Portland for a weekend, and uh, they had a lot less strict COVID restrictions than they do here. Like, I think in Washington, you know, a lot of bars are still closed, and most places are only takeout, but down there, a lot of uh, restaurants were at least partially open, but it just still wasn't a fun experience going out to a restaurant. Like you have to like wear a mask half the time and you have to like order up front because they don't want the waiters going around. It's just, and we had to yeah. wait over an hour cause it was limited seating. It's just like really not worth it. Yeah. Say I went out recently with my dad. And the other thing too, is like, I feel guilty. I have guilt in the back of my mind. I went out once. I'm like, I'm not doing this again. It's carry out from now on. <laughs> yeah. I I'm in, I'm in Illinois. So we, we've had, I've been told we have some of the uh, stricter regulations relative to the rest of the country, but I think some of the bars near me have been open lately and stuff. Yeah, and this whole week I've just been thinking, like, with the whole Texas ending the mask mandate and stuff like that, like, COVID restrictions are never going to get more restrictive than they are now. It doesn't matter how many cases there are, they're just never going to lock down. Well, yeah, totally. I mean, because we have a vaccine. Yeah, it's only going to get more lenient from here. Yeah. Yeah, so... I mean... Unless there's like, you know, some type of mutation or some big wave or something. But I think for the most part, that's a that's a pretty fair, uh, pretty fair guess. I even think if something like that happens, uh, they're still just going to be like, not not this time. We're done. Like, it really (laughs) they're just it does make it. So it does make it so that like at the height of our country taking it seriously, which, you know, that was probably like right at the beginning. It does make it like, what was the point of all that? If you're not going to follow through, you know, once you break the seal, it's like you might as well have been going out and doing shit the whole time. I get that entirely true. Because like certain people are prevented from getting it. But that's sometimes it feels that way to me that it's like, you know, you got to you really got to commit to it. Yeah, definitely. For me, personally, mentally, I feel like I've really been wanting to go to Mexico, like, and I'll have a couple opportunities in the next few years, but uh, that's where I want to be right now. Cool. Anywhere specifically? I know some people who are going to go on a trip to kind of, I think about 30 minutes north of Puerto Vallarta, um, and they're planning that. I might be able to go along, but it depends. And then 
in a couple of years kind of planning a trip to like uh not Cancun but you know the area kind of about an hour or so south where you're sure. closer to like Mayan ruins and it's a yeah. little more laid back yeah that's cool yeah I've never been to Mexico myself yeah, I only went once, when, and I was really young, and we went to, like, an all-inclusive resort, so uh, my exposure to it is pretty limited. Yeah, I understand. From what I've heard, there's, like, I mean, like, most places, but I, I, it's, I, I've heard the, uh, the, the difference between, like, the tourist areas and the residential areas are exaggerated in Mexico than in a lot of other places. Is in like there will be poor areas right by the really expensive tourist areas. Sure, yeah, and just like there's like a greater dissonance than I, you know, you know, like even if you go to, I mean, I don't know, I, I I'm not a travel expert by any means, but like I, you know, just the way that I have always understood it, like even if you go to Paris, that's very touristy, but I mean, a lot of Parisians live there, and you still experience a lot of their culture there you know for, for that's just one example just like oh. in mexico there's a very like it's very uh segregated between like the tourist areas and the live-in area the residential area. oh yeah i get what you mean like the uh the resorts are always or almost always pretty removed from the actual like city center they're like on the yeah. outskirts of the town yeah just from what what i've been told about mexico yeah i think that's generally been my experience too but like i said i was young um uh, yeah uh, i actually got an email from a guy who listened to this podcast from mexico and he wanted to be on um but he didn't email me back so if you want to be on you're welcome on <laughs> heck yeah have you have you ever had anyone on from outside of the country yeah, I had um, an episode with a guy from Australia and New Zealand, and they have cool. a podcast uh, called Modern Guilt. And then. That's a knife. That's a knife. I um, had a woman from South Africa. She's like a futurist. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. Uh, hopefully she doesn't listen to my podcast to hear this. But sadly, that's one of my least performing episodes. But I thought it was pretty good. I'll have to I'll have to look into that one. Get bump up the numbers a little bit. Society <laughs> shows going international. Yeah. And then I did have a guy from Nigeria on once. Very cool. Not Mexico. You just have but... you just have the map in your room, and you just put a thumbtack each time you get a guest from a country. Yeah. Well, I I'm honestly striving for a more international audience because right now, about eighty five percent of my listeners are in the U S. Yeah, you got to branch out. Exactly. And look what we've we've been talking about Canadian reality shows. So I mean, this is you know this is a stuff with a broad appeal, or at least you know in Canada. Exactly. Yes.
Yeah, it, I also wanted to talk about, because we talked about video games last time, and I know you really like Tony Hawk. We talked about that. And um, this happened about a month ago or so now, but uh, I was really sad to hear that uh, Activision merged the studio that did the Tony Hawk remake with Blizzard. Yeah. Um, yeah, and now they're making a Diablo 2 remake, so the chance of getting Tony Hawk 3 and 4 or even Thug 2 and Thug 1, like, uh, those seem just done, basically. Yeah, definitely. And I, I love Underground and Underground 2, I think, are such good games. The only thing about it is I would love to see those games remade, but when they remade 1 and 2... They did all the mechanic. They included all the mechanics of those later games, so it plays like those later games. I find some solace in that. Like all they would really be doing would be like adding levels, because I think it plays perfectly. I mean, it plays so well, and they, you know, and it, it, they, they really captured the feel of those games, and not just the first two, but of like that whole era, probably up to Thug too. And um, I I am disappointed that that happened because I thought that was one of the best. I guess that came out last year. It was one of the, probably the best game last year I played. But um, at the same time, yeah, it's like we I I'm happy with with what we got. So I just kind of wish there was more active support of the game because like I have played it online. And it's pretty fun online, even though you get cream most of the time. But like, um, I wish that. And I'm pretty. I thought I was pretty good at that game, but I still don't really stand a chance online. Yeah, if I'm playing the more like casual mode type, I can win. You know, maybe one out of ten times. Probably not now because I'm rusty. But the more intense one, not even a chance. Yeah, it's tough. I I I didn't explore the online modes that much, but I found them a little disappointing too. I think they could have done cooler stuff with that. Yeah, I just wish they like fleshed it out. Like I would have loved to be able to just like play horse or skate rather with a completely random person, but the only totally. thing the only things you can do with random people are like the um, trick attack combo combo challenge stuff like that. Yeah, it cycles through them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I just kind of wish that even if they didn't add new maps, I wish there was a little more like active support for the game. Some support. Yeah, I agree. Because I I thought that was a really good game. It's kind of a it's kind of a shame that like basically like that's it but at the same time tony hawk was so bad for so long and i think this is like the third time it's at least the second but i'm pretty sure it's the third time they've remade that first game and i think it's the first time it's been good so like i said you got to take your wins or you can get them i'm grateful that that game came out at all but it, I agree, it is disappointing that there won't that there will be no continued support. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Speaking of games, uh, anything you've been playing lately? Go play a video game. Not. Um. Not really. Um. I've been playing a lot of the Pokemon trade card game online. <laughs> nice. Um, 
That's just, I like that game because I can do something else while I play it. <laughs> I can kind of like, I don't have to give it my complete attention. Any game where I don't have to, you know, have total focus is a good game for me. Um, but other than that, no, just, uh, I, I popped on Baldur's Gate for a little bit. That's about it. So for Pokemon Trading Card Online, is it like you can just play with any cards or do you pay for like copies of them? So you you earn coins when you win and you can buy packs with coins. But like how you really get started is when you buy a pack, every pack has a code card in it and you can scan it online and you'll get a pack on the online game. But it won't be the same cards that you got in the pack, but it'll be from the same set. If Interesting. That so it seems kind of like almost like a, a digital card game like Hearthstone, but rather than buying digital packs, you're buying physical cards that can be redeemed for digital cards. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Although you can also buy, you can also like digitally buy packs as well. Um, but it's you, you're not gonna get a ton. I actually was able to get quite a few the other day, but usually it's like your real cards come from the ones you get physically. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I will say in terms of games I've been playing, I just started playing Final Fantasy VII Remake because it's... Oh, yeah, I was playing that game, and I didn't finish it. How far did you get? Not that far. Like, um, the, the, the first, like, five or so chapters. I don't know. I was, like, I found it a little disappointing. I mean, I will say, I mean, I just finished the second chapter, starting the third. So far, I really like it, but, uh, like, the the first chapter when you're, like, going into the reactor and blowing it up, that is such a highlight, and then the chapter after it was so, like, kind of aimless, and I just really hope it picks up, but for now, I, I at least like the combat a lot. Yeah, they got to bring you down after they bring you up. I did I did kind of like the combat. You know, obviously like turn-based is so dated at this point. Um so like, you know, a little actionier. You you've played the original game? I have. I never beat it though. Me neither. <laughs> I think I watched all the cutscenes on YouTube at some point when I was like younger. But Yeah, I I think I got through about the first disc. That's a good chunk of the game, though. Yeah, like, I definitely got significant, not significantly, but decently past the Midgar part of the f original. Yeah, the remake is all in Midgar, so... That's one thing I kind of appreciate it about it, because the, the game really kind of drops off in uh, intrigue when they leave Midgar. You mentioned Hearthstone. I realized I was playing World of Warcraft for like you are not prepared. essentially the first time a month or so ago. I mean, I played it a bit in like when I was 14, but not a lot, honestly. Like, I don't think I got a guy past like level 12, but or maybe like 16 at the most. But I, yeah, I, I was playing it this time, and I don't know. MMOs, I have a weird... I don't really like MMOs, I don't think. They always sound cool on paper, and then they're just, like, boring grind fests to me in practice. 
Yeah, personally, I mean, I I love WoW more than any other game, and I've definitely spent more time playing WoW than doing probably any other single thing in my life. But like, um, I went back to WoW Classic and played with a, a bunch of my buddies and had a ton of fun with it. But a lot of that is just absolute pure nostalgia like well i was playing um retail and i think i would actually enjoy classic a lot more because the fun part of world of warcraft is exploring the the locations with your friends and doing um doing quests and dancing and that's not the meta game or that at least that's not like what most people are doing on there it's all just like these dungeons and i really I, it's really frustrating to me that you don't even have to travel to the dungeon anymore that was like part of the whole fun you meet up with your friends i think it like I, I don't i just don't like a lot of the newer mechanics i think of it yeah it's also just significantly easier like leveling up is not the game anymore. That's like the tutorial at this point, which I don't For like. Sure. That's the fun. That's the fun part to me. I think. Yeah, and like in WoW Classic, you will get killed by a single mob that's like two or three levels higher than you. Like, it, as you should. <laughs> yeah, like, but in retail, I mean, all of the mobs are fixed to your level, so. Yeah, that was so dumb. And so even when I go with, like, my friends to, like, some location, like, that's the whole thing with RPGs, right? I play a lot of Dungeons & Dragons. It goes back to that. If you're in an area you shouldn't be in, you will find out by dying or by getting your ass kicked by enemies. Whereas in this game, you can pretty much just go anywhere, do whatever you want. Yeah, another thing in WoW Classic that's really missing. I'm I can go on forever about WoW, so I'll I'll cut myself yeah. off eventually. But another thing about WoW Classic that's a lot better is, or it's cooler I think is you could go into a dungeon with a well-rounded team or something, maybe a little imbalance. But then like say the tank quits and then you need like the shaman uh, to become the tank, even though shamans are terrible tanks, but like. And you have to do it with four people. Like, that's the type of stuff that made the game, like, hard but really interesting. And, like, you had to adapt. Whereas now, it's just, like, you will always have three DPS. One healer and one tank. And if, one tank. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of brain... It's kind of... It's a little brain dead. I mean, obviously, like, I get my ass kicked in some dungeons, so it's not totally brain dead. But it's so formulaic, I think, is the word I was looking for. Yeah, and, like, as soon as a tank drops, a new one will join, and, like... Right, exactly. They're very interchangeable. You never have to interact with these people. Totally, and the tanks drop with me and my friends all the time, and <laughs> we just have to wait for a new one. Yeah, I think that, like, a lot of my issues with WoW... Like, I don't think... I didn't play vanilla WoW, but I played it earlier on when it was quite different from how it is today, and I think a lot of my problems with WoW would be fixed by me playing um classic but i don't know it's such a time suck <laughs> i mean all video games are right like that's the whole point is like you're spending your time to like have fun i've got time to do a little self-care <laughs> but it's such an investment yeah uh, wow really lays that um mechanic in games bare like it's very just like watch the numbers go up <laughs> That's all there is to it. Right. Get more experience for hundreds yeah. of hours. 
Yeah. Don't be shy. You come get the voodoo. Me got a good stuff, man. Yeah, and the main thing I kind of want to touch on to end out the show, the main story, I guess, is uh, the Forbes reported about how, well, the headline is, the U.S. Air Force just admitted the F-35 stealth fighter has failed. What we've got here is failure to communicate. And I guess just to give a little context to this, they say, quote, over 20 years of research and development, the F-35 got heavier and more expensive as the Air Force and lead contractor Lockheed Martin packed it with more and more technology. The F-35 not only costs $100 million per plane, but they're, quote, maintenance-intensive, buggy, and unreliable. And um, the reason that the headline said that the Air Force admitted the F-35 failed is basically, like, the F-35 was intended to be a daily, like, standard aircraft to replace the F-16. Um, and now the F-35 is hardly ever used. Uh, and they still have the same F-16s, um, and the newest of which were uh, bought in 2001. Um, so do you have any thoughts on that? Hey, well, do you hear about this? It's at once hilarious and infuriating. I mean, I just can't believe, like, <laughs> I was wondering, I'm glad you cleared that up, because I was wondering why they, uh, like, in, like why? what was the reason they would admit that it's a failure? Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they just don't care. They can spend money and come out and be like, whoopsie, <laughs> and face no consequences. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like they're exactly admitting their failure. I mean, but in, in essence, they are. They just right, know how to dress some, it up. Right, because it still has some function to them. They just, it's not being used how they intended yeah and so the number that really uh that re i'm really gonna focus on is 1.727 trillion dollars that is the total amount of all the research and production uh all the money that has ever been put into the f-35 it's almost an unfathomable amount it's all about the money Yeah, it's more than we spend every year on the military. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like, oh, one point whatever trillion, one trillion, when, no, the, the 727 uh, indicates it's almost two trillion. Man, how many people can you see it in that? Is it a drone? <laughs> I think it's only one person. Man, you'd think for that much money they'd be able to install like a back seat or something. <laughs> yeah, one Some of those cup holders. Like... It's gotta have cup holders. <laughs> they install those little like side carts used on motorcycles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I did a a lot of math to figure out what the F-35 is. I'm, I'm really bad at math, so it took a while. So um, okay. basically, yeah, I calculated that with that amount of money, you could give every single person in the U.S., not just citizens or whatever, but every single person $5,000, and you would still have over $60 billion left over. Wow. <laughs> Holy crap, that puts it into perspective. Michael Jackson, a million dollars, you feel me? 
Yeah, and you could also pay off every single dollar of college loan in the U.S., which is about $1.7 trillion, and they're almost the same amount. So in a way, you could say that the F-35 program was indirectly paid for by the uh, exorbitant cost of college. Yeah, that's wild. And um, you could, with $1.727 trillion, you could completely buy all of Amazon's stock, as well as Microsoft's. But I don't really know how that works. Like, that's what their market cap is, like the total value of all their stocks. But I don't really know if you could just straight up buy all of it. (laughs) It would certainly be an interesting experiment. Yeah, like in theory you could, but who knows how that works. Uh, you could also buy all of Berkshire Hathaway, then buy all of Visa, and then buy all of MasterCard, and then you'd still have billions left over. Wow. Billions, huh? <laughs> yes, and uh, this one I think is interesting. So you could buy every single unit sold of the four most popular game consoles like every unit they move for those consoles you could buy all of them and still be one of the richest people in the world so uh can you guess what the four most best-selling consoles of all time are and it includes handhelds i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure i know the top four even if I don't know their order, because I love Game Boy. I know the original game. I'm pretty sure the I'm pretty sure the top four is something like Nintendo DS, Nintendo Wii, PlayStation Two, Game Boy. I might get the order wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's at least the top four. So yeah, so that is correct. Except PlayStation Four has actually surpassed Wii. Wow, I did not know. What a milestone. Yeah, so it goes... That's crazy, because they had Wii's in, like, nursing homes and shit. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. So, yeah, number one is PS2. Then Nintendo DS. And then three, they kind of combined Game Boy and Game Boy Color into the same, like, category of consoles. So that's third. And then PS4. Wow, yeah. Yeah, Game Boy... I mean, you know, everyone likes... The handheld ones have a little bit more market appeal because they could be played anywhere. And they were so cheap. yeah, and they're cheap. Yeah, and you, but you were just you were saying you could buy every console like ever manufactured with that money, right? Yeah, every <laughs> model, every model, every <laughs> every version of all four of them, all units that has ever existed in the world. That is so crazy. And you could buy all of them and still be one of the richest people in the world. I want to see how many uh, PSA. 10 first edition Charizards you can get for that money. (laughs) 1.7 trillion. And uh, while you find that, the uh, last one I have here is you could buy every house, apartment, any type of living unit whatsoever in Seattle, Atlanta, Boston, Charlotte, North Carolina, and St. Paul, Minnesota, and you would still be the richest person in the world by hun- by several hundred billion dollars. 
just loot. I mean, that is so, if that doesn't like piss you off, I don't know what would. I mean, that is just like a complete waste of spending. Although at the same time, I do have to admit, it's also kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because it's just like, it's just like, that is like a perfect symbol for our, ex- our like military excess. Yeah, and it kind of indica- it makes it seem a lot more ineffectual than its actual budget makes it seem. Like, if they're still right. just using the same planes from 2001. Right, or or just if you see that figure, you're like, oh shit, they must be uh, working on some like really advanced tech that could uh, really be dangerous and really impact the rest of the world, but they're just, like, jerking off, blowing money on planes that they don't do shit with. They collect dust. (laughs) Yeah, well, it makes me wonder about how people have the theory that um, when people think they see UFOs, it's usually, like, Air Force equipment. Yeah, like a stealth bomber and stuff like that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Well, they are literal UFOs, yeah. This story makes me think that maybe the Air Force doesn't have uh, good enough technology to do that. Yeah, that's funny. You're giving them too much credit there, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, but, I mean, to be completely honest, that probably does explain a lot of UFOs. Yeah, yeah. With that amount of money, you'd be able to buy 77 million PSA 10 Charizards. My so, math might be off on that, too. I, I think we both studied English in school, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, so PSA 10, does that just mean, like, mint condition? Yeah, yeah. That's one of the grading card companies, and that's their standard. That's the highest grade you can get for that card so is that like a psa 10 first edition holographic charizard correct yeah i was for about 200 it sold one sold recently uh, they range i think i heard of one selling for about four hundred thousand, but i just looked up one that sold for two hundred twenty thousand recently interesting yeah i used to have a holographic charizard as a kid and uh I don't know where any of my Pokemon cards went, but I remember when I got that, it was like, I remember exactly where I was. I was like so overjoyed to get a holographic. Classic childhood memory. (laughs) Yes. That's why people pay so much for these things. They're chasing that nostalgia, especially right now with COVID. Well, no one has any money to spend. They say when people start going out, Pokemon card prices will drop just because people won't be spending money on useless crap. But, um... Also, I think while people are at home, they're just chasing memories and shit for the most. Not everyone, of course, but I think that that's a, I I think that 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 is a phenomenon that's going on right now. Yeah, I mean, since COVID started, I bought a uh, a cassette player and some cassettes, and have gotten more into like analog music technology. Hell yeah! I I used to be all about that shit. I have a huge cassette collection. <laughs> yeah, that's my one of my COVID hobbies. My band, my old band, exclusively released music on cassette. Yeah, that's awesome. It, that that's another one of my COVID hobbies too. I uh, I'd say three weeks ago now, um, a friend of mine from high school gave me his old bass guitar, and I used to play bass all throughout middle school and high school, but then stopped. So uh, it's I been nice you- playing again. Yeah, I saw you mention something about that on Twitter. I was gonna bring it up to you, like after we were done recording. But you've been you've been rocking the bass. <laughs> yeah, I have. 
That's sweet. I'm I've lost most of my ability though. Like I just I mean a big part of it is my fingers aren't calloused really yet, but yeah, well, that is just something that comes with time. But I think that there's, to a certain extent, especially with like a more rhythmic instrument like bass, once you got that inside of you, it doesn't it doesn't go away. Like riding a bike, <laughs> yes. you know. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. Do you play any instruments? Yeah, I mostly play guitar, but I uh, will pretty much, you know, I really like like programmed drum machines. I play bass. Um, I like a little bit of keyboard, you know, I can screw around on a keyboard. I know my way around it. I'm certainly not like a pian, like a pianist or anything, but, um, yeah, I haven't been playing music lately just cause I haven't been doing anything creative lately. <laughs> but yeah. I feel that we're going to have to collab. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to make me, I'm trying to make rock music, uh, bring back rock. Yes. We'll do. I love guitar solos. I'm I'm a huge believer in guitar solos, so I'm all about that. Sweet, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I don't know about you. I feel like that's a pretty good place to uh, end it for now. Yes, absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, so um, be sure to check out uh, Connor on Connor Tonight on Twitch. Uh, Anything you want to plug in general? No, just uh, be ready for the new Society Show theme song that Christian and I will be producing. (laughs) Yes. Have you listened to the show recently, by the way? Yeah, I I did I I listened to some of that um hundredth episode. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, did you hear the uh, how I Kato Kalin recorded a theme song for the show? Yeah, yeah, that is cool. Maybe we'll do the the outro then. It I I can have lots of intros that I use in different contexts. So. Right on. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show again. It was a a great second time appearance. Um. And I'll be sure to have you on again. Thanks. Sweet. Yeah, looking forward to it. Have a great podcast, my friend. We all love the Society Show. Goodbye from me, Kato Kalin.